Hi, I'm Christina Dennis, and you are listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a recovered life discussion all about setting healthy boundaries and how codependency could be keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now let's jump into the discussion. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Christina Dennis, and you are in Recovered Life Discussions Um, and the name of the room is Setting Healthy Boundaries. My name is Christina Dennis. I'm a recovery coach and uh, an expert uh, who focuses on breaking codependent patterns. And I so appreciate those of you that have come to the room and you were willing to wait those two minutes of silence while I was trying to figure out my app. So today, June 1st, we are going to discuss setting boundaries and I want to share some information and some things, you know, a situation that is happening to me in real time and uh, to just uh, clear clear up some of the or set some of the rules out there. This uh, this recording is rebroadcasted. And so I always want to share that up front for those of you that are going to come up and share, hopefully, that you know to use first names only. And of course, um, we have a code of mutual respect and kindness. So when sharing, um, you know, we will be careful to kind of speak through that lens. So I am in recovery and I have been in recovery from alcoholism uh, since 1997 Um, and very shortly after within two years I started working on my codependency. Um, I was introduced to the program because I was absolutely obsessed and in love with a fellow alcoholic who was a sex addict and I wanted more than anything to get this particular fellow um, back in love with me and to stop looking at pornography and I had no anesthesia in me and was losing my mind and that was how I was introduced to the term codependency and realized um, maybe not right away but started to realize that every relationship that I had been in and had had been in codependent manner and um, I'm very very open about that I still struggle with these codependent patterns I still struggle with knowing how to set healthy boundaries so last year when I became part of recovered life and met many of you wonderful people on this app I was asked to pick a subject that was near and dear to my heart that I could probably talk about forever. And so I knew and still know to this day that one of the reasons why I named the room Setting Healthy Boundaries is because I still struggle with it. And I am still um, not comfortable all the time setting boundaries. And when we think about recovery within codependent behaviors, 
it's much more squishy than it is with substance abuse, which is one of the reasons why I think it's so important to discuss what recovery behaviors look like and to talk about um, sobriety around our behaviors. Um, for me, I started to realize that I was treating my codependency with alcohol, um, that I didn't have any boundaries, and what I thought was true love and true friendship was actually called enmeshment. And uh, <clears throat> that is one of the reasons why I think that we will be talking about setting healthy boundaries throughout our entire recovery program, because defining your sobriety around it is is not the same as when you just put down the drink or put down the drug. And um, I've shared this before, but for those that are newer to the room, codependents are not the, you know, uh, image because, you know, as you study the word codependency and the term codependency, it was actually created in the 80s and it was in direct um, it came from Alcoholics Anonymous, and it was the definition was that it referred to a partner of somebody who had a alcohol problem, and the partner was uh, struggling uh, to actually exist, even if the person was sober. They were struggling to have their own wants and needs, and uh, and I have to say that over the years it's grown into, in some cases, this image of somebody being really needy and clingy and, um, you know, kind of a stalker. And that's just not the case. It, it is an incorrect, and although I'm sure there are codependents out there that, that appear that way, but that is not what we are talking about in this room. Um, codependency in short form is, is the obsession of taking care of somebody else's needs even to the detriment of our needs. So it's a behavior pattern where we focus on someone else's needs before our own. And um, that kind of can be squishy, right? A circular definition. And so I love that we get together every week. And at this point, I want to ask if anybody is feeling particularly chatty or wants to weigh in. This will be a lot more fun and interesting if you uh, are in a place where you can raise your hand and share. Um, the particular situation that I want to describe today is something that I'm right smack in the middle of. And um, and I, I wondered, you know, should I share this um, on a public forum? Is this going to be helpful for anyone? Is it going to be helpful for me? And the answer to that question is yes, because it's fresh and it's new. And I hope what it does is kind of bring clarity and also help me get a little clearer on exactly what I want to do with this situation and how anybody would do this. Um, I had in my recovery a lot of relationships and growing up, you know, I didn't grow up in the most uh, supportive house and I didn't have a lot of focus put on me. 
And um, so I have a very soft spot for younger girls that, you know, also are living in difficult situations. And through my recovery um, out here in California, I met a young girl who was the daughter of one of my friends and, um, you know, basically became her second mother. Uh, I started babysitting her at four. Her mom, her birth mom, really struggled with this disease and couldn't be present for her daughter. And I became very, very much a surrogate mother and loved it, truly loved it. Um, I brought her to meetings when she became of age. Um, and at one point in time, she moved in with me. And around this age, she was 19. So she had been in my life for 15 years. Um, I had taken her on vacation. Uh, she was my son's sister. Um, and the relationship was very, very enmeshed. And um, I started to struggle with the divorce to my son's father, and I didn't have enough bandwidth um, to supply this young person with what she perceived she needed. And there was a time, and this is about six years ago, perhaps five, um, where she got very angry about something that I did. And it was, it was um, really, really out of control. Um, and it broke my heart. I mean, she said some awful things to me, uh, that she wishes I die alone. And she wants me to be in a car accident. Um, and it was, it was, and I, and at that time I knew that it was the pain that she had, um, from not getting what she needed as a child, but I didn't have very much bandwidth left. Um, to be able to kind of step out of it. And the first time it happened, um, I was able to, you know, kind of sit through it. She lived with me and my son at that time, and she worked for me, and I'm sure you can start to see the, the picture. I, and at that time, I, the first time it happened, I was able to kind of, you know, sit with it and she apologized and I shared, you know, how much it had hurt me and, um, and also, you know, shared that I wanted to help her get support, but that I no longer had the capacity to be there with her, um, at that level, um, that I had in the past. And, you know, looking at it now, I can easily recognize how codependent I was with her and how I had set it up to that, how much I enjoyed her reliance on me. But um, unfortunately, her behaviors didn't stay in that kind of remorseful place. And... Um, Within a couple of weeks, she started having outbursts and, and anger and started showing up um, at my house because I, I was in a place where I could set a boundary and say, you need to move out of the home um, while we work through this. And there was one time where she came to my home and um, 
started demanding and screaming and there were children there and I needed to excuse her. She wouldn't leave. Um, I told her, you need to leave my property. You need to go settle down. And she wouldn't. And eventually I shared that I would call the police if she didn't. And, um, and that really hurt. And I, and I was scared. I, I, you know, made some choices for her not to be around my son. Um, and I, and I struggled with that ending of that relationship. And throughout the years, I um, would receive emails from her, all from a position of, you know, uh, I feel sorry for you because you don't get to be part of my life. And, um, and at that point, you know, it was obvious what her position was, you know, it was still anger. <clears throat> and it was, uh, you know, frankly, a lot easier for me to not have to contend with it. You know, when I finally realized that I had not been, uh, that my boundaries had not been very good and that I also wasn't responsible for her meltdown, um, that she was going to have to go through this and find people that could support her that had the right bandwidth. And so she moved out of state and through the magic of social media would reach out to me um, occasionally over the years and we have common friends and so I would hear things and I started to heal you know I started to not feel that extreme pain when we would think about or I would hear something that was happening to her and I wasn't going back there and reliving the trauma and last year she sent a message through Instagram saying, you know, somehow I came across your account <laughs> and I see that you're doing really well and that makes me happy. And, um, and I felt pretty comfortable responding and saying, thank you. Uh, it looks like you're happy too. And I'm glad because that truly is how I feel. You know, I, I don't wish her ill. I, I want good things to happen for her. I've always wanted good things to happen for her. I love her but I also love me. And um, yesterday she sent me a message letting me know that she was in town and would I consider having coffee with her? And it took me a while to get it because we're not connected on social media and I didn't see it and I don't look at all the messages. Um, I work very hard to have some distance between me and my social media accounts for my own sanity. And so I responded later on in the day and said, yes, Kathy, please, I would love for you to come on. Later on in the day saying, you know, honestly, I didn't see this to now. I don't want you to think that I ignored it. Congratulations on marrying. And um, that was it, you know, I, I wish you well. Because I had assumed that she was, that the time had passed that she could have coffee. And, um, she responded saying thank you and today as I was doing my you know morning things and looking at social media I understood that she's actually here for this whole week and I am struggling with it and so I, I share this so that people know that that these these are hard behaviors to overcome um, and
Hey, Christina, you're on mic, off mic. Thank you, thank you. And so I am struggling with this contact um, because a huge part of me wants reconciliation and a huge part of me wants to have this story be a beautiful ending about reconciliation and how much healing we can have. But there's also a part of me that says, no, there's no, there's no uh, information on her side that she wants to apologize for what she's saying and, um, and acknowledge that her behavior was out of control or even acknowledge the hurt. And so as a person in recovery from codependency, I am going to take my own advice and, and share it, which is what I'm doing right now. Thank you for indulging me and listening to the story and start to uncover the beliefs that are at war within myself. You know, am I a person who can move forward um, and forgive? Yes, I can do that. And I have done that. I wish nothing, nothing negative um, to happen to this person. I want really want nothing but great things. Um, has this person shown me any signs of that they recognize that their behavior was really hurtful? No, you know, no, it, they haven't. You know, a couple of text messages that say, it seems like you're doing good is not the same as acknowledging that um, her actions hurt. And, uh, and so I, um, I'm going to continue to sit on it and wait. And I don't like being uncomfortable in it, but I have to acknowledge, and this is what we do in recovery um, from codependent behaviors. I have to be honest and acknowledge that there is a, there is a real part of me that is sad that it happened. Um, and there is a big part of me that wants to step into that role of being her second mother and being part of her life. Um, but there's also a large part of me that understands that I don't have to, and I don't have to put myself through anything and there hasn't been enough evidence for me to you know meet this person in real life and so I thought it would be a very um, a very helpful thing as we talk about setting healthy boundaries to share where I am and to ask people um, I mean I, I would love feedback but also where does this show up in your life and what happens um, to you and how do you make decisions? Um, a lot of codependency recovery is sitting on our hands and letting the people we love find their own footing and suffer their own consequences. And it's painful to watch. And, um, and I think it's easy sometimes when we get into recovery to paint our picture, paint the picture of ourselves that we are manipulative and we're trying to control everybody. But that isn't 100% the truth either. 
there is this deep desire to be loved and to be empathetic and want to help. And so um, with that, I thought I would open it up to the room and ask if there are people within the room that I know are also pursuing codependency recovery. Um, what would you do and what have you done? And Kathy, thank you for volunteering to mod with me. That's okay, Christine. I'm very sorry I was late for your room and I missed uh, all of what was a... Uh, I missed a lot of what was a very powerful share. I can hear it in your voice. I can also hear some peace in your voice, which... Uh, which makes me happy. Um, I'm just very drawn to that phrase, sitting on your hands. Um, sounds easy, doesn't it? <laughs> um, it's not, but it is the best way. And it comes with practice and patience. And um, with the opportunity uh, to get better at it every time. Um, I, I find myself in... Uh, as I say, I didn't hear all of your share, Christina, so I'm, I'm not going to comment on it. But I've, I found myself in a situation where my codependency really flared up um, a couple of days ago to the point where I was ready to to lash out, to be resentful, um, to be to take on all the negative, um, to believe every every crappy thing I've ever thought about myself in in this one exchange with with a friend. And. I didn't because a, another friend who I have said you're being an ass. You 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 know you you're not you don't know what what's going on, so stop assuming. And um, I'm very thankful for them for doing that to me because that that helped an awful lot. Um, and sitting on your hands is something. It's like the sigh, isn't it? <laughs> it's um, taking that breath, taking that space to to hopefully make a, a better decision. It doesn't help with the hurt um, often or the confusion, but a, a measured response is, is a better response, I think. Um, so that's all I'll say for now because I, I missed uh, the early part of the room, which I'm sincerely sorry for. Um, so I will pass on to Kat, Christina. Yes. Well, let me respond really quickly, Kathy, because I sure. loved what you shared about, you know, having people in our life that can point out um, when we are confused and how important that is. How I mean, it is truly one of the biggest gifts when we are honest with our friends. And, um, you know, when I first started recovery, I didn't have people around me that um that would go against me you know really i everybody was on my payroll in many ways and that was by design because i didn't feel safe and so uh now um now i have people that i can um i can say this is what i'm thinking and i'm confused and they can gently remind me you know well what has she done that shows you that there has been a change and where has she addressed it and it's so it's in and you are right sitting on your hands is it's such an unsatisfactory piece of direction um, that i would bristle against when i was told that at the beginning of my recovery like what what is that going to do i need to rush in there and handle it because your my survival skills would kick in and 
that is how I survived, was rushing in and helping people. And so it's a very gentle, um, it's very gentle when we have friends that share with us and so important. And I really appreciate you bringing that part forward. Hello, Kat. Welcome. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for the vulnerability and um, letting us see you, Christina, and what you're handling. Um, man, I uh, I can so relate. <laughs> I'm with you, sister. I don't know. I don't think I have any, um, I don't know. I All I know is that since quarantine, I have integrated back into in-person meetings and the fellowship and so many people and I'm just kind of like screaming inside because there's like so much history. Um, you know, I've been in the same group for four and a half years and things change so quickly in these recovery rooms. It's absolutely mind-blowing how fast things change. Um, and I, I have to remember like I have to have faith that everything that's happened is for the greater good, I think. And um, I don't know, recently, because me and my ex share the same home group, um, I, I my codependency has just been flying off the handles and um, I feel a little like imploding inside because, you know, sitting on my hands and not doing anything, like... I'm still left with all that, you know, all, all the backstory, right? Like, um, my childhood growing up with sisters and constantly feeling like I had to compete with them, which correlates to me being competitive. I work on it a lot, but my instinct is to compete with women. And although my head knows that's not right, I, I love women. We support each other you know, sisterhood, feminism, I'm all for that. But my internal emotional response is still just so, um, I don't know, my uh, ex has been bringing our old dog to meetings. And one, um, a girl that I didn't know was saying her name. And I'm like, how to like inside, I'm thinking like, how does she know my dog, my <laughs> dog's name and blah, 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 blah. They must be. And my head just creates this narrative that's like completely out of left field. And I'm just watching it happen. And I think for me, like nipping the monologue as fast as I possibly can before it becomes a reality and snowballs and creates action because my thoughts eventually turn to action and that's what I can't have happen. So I, it's like a, for me, it's like a alarms going off, bells going off in my head, get back to that spiritual self, get back to that center, get like, go do what you need to do. Take care of me before I can step back into the world and be a loving kind, you know, being of service, putting, you know, other, others needs like, you know, well, I guess for codependency, knowing where I stop and you begin. Right. And, um, I think that's how the saying goes, but yeah, I don't know. My, my goal today is to carry myself in grace 
and in loving kindness. And if I'm not doing that, I know it's within myself and I need to like go take a step back and recenter. So um, I don't know if any of that made sense, but um, thank you for letting me share. If you are newly sober, trying to get sober, or you've been sober for decades and are looking to take your sobriety to the next level, the Recovery Breakthrough six-week transformation concierge coaching program might be right for you. Have Damon Frank and Christina Dennis build a custom roadmap to get you on the path to getting what you really need. Receive hands-on concierge coaching and stay focused and productive with our daily check-ins. If you're ready to experience your recovery breakthrough and start the journey towards the transformation you deserve, book a free get to know you call today and find out what is possible in your recovery. To find out more about recovery breakthrough and to book your free call, go to recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. It's so made, made sense. Cat. I mean, I as you were sharing that somebody else is calling your dog's name, I felt this. Well, this brush, you know, like it bubbled up inside of me. Like, well, why? Yeah, why does she get to know her her name? And uh, you said some very powerful things that I think are important to point out because they have to do with recovery of codependency, and it's that giving ourselves that pause, you know. Um, so that we can take care of ourselves first. And this is one of the, the I don't know, paradoxes of codependency recovery within um, alcohol or substance abuse recovery. Uh, we are told, um, and, it's, and it, the reason why we're told is because it's incredibly effective to be of service to others. And then where does that line that we've dipped into and went over the the service line and um <laughs> and now we are trying to manipulate and control uh others and it's it's the reason why you know like you said thoughts provoke action and and thoughts provoke feelings and feelings provoke thoughts and the way to untangle that is to one acknowledge and to try to remove judgment of ourselves, which is incredibly difficult. I mean, it's important that we assess and you know use our lens when we're looking at our own behavior. It's important that we be aware and have some, you know, some of it is a critical eye. I mean, that's important, right? If we didn't have some of that guiding compass, we, we could act in terrible ways. So it's this integration of, of uh, you know, they use the word character defects. I use the word survival skills. It's this integration of when is it good? When is it too much? And where do I start? And that, that has to be with learning how to sit in, in within ourselves. Because I'll tell you, when I am traumatized, I believe wholeheartedly, or let's say I'm triggered, I believe wholeheartedly that what I'm thinking is 100% truth. You know, I believe that I know what that other person is going to do and what that other person has done. And I mean, bless me, 
that I had to grow that skill as a child in order to feel safe and have some control. I mean, that's okay that that's there, but giving myself that pause so that I can wait and see what that other person is actually doing and what they mean by the things they say and I ask questions and I clarify. Um, it gives me the opportunity to react and respond in a way that's more in alignment with my value system. And I always go back to this. Um, and we've had some shows on the Recover Life podcast around God's will and you know, how do you know you've surrendered and all of that. And it always comes down to what we learn in recovery is we learn our value system and what we most want to be aligned with. And so when I'm looking at every behavior, including this one, it, it's like, who do I most want to be? I want to be a loving person who has good boundaries. And what does that look like? And making it more of an, a cognitive experience, it really, really helps me. Um, and I, I don't know the right thing to do every single time. But, you know, if I look at it and say, okay, what can I do in this situation? What do I really have in front of me? Most often, the next thing that I can do is attend to my nervous system and wait. And uh, it's unsatisfactory <laughs> sometimes, um, but I need that distance. So thank you. All right. Amber. Hey, guys. Um, thank you for sharing that, Christina. I It's very uh, thought-provoking, and it does, like, kind of make me think about, like, how would I handle that situation or what would I think, you know, um, the only, the things that popped up to me, I, <clears throat> I've never really been in a situation exactly like that, but the things that popped up to me that you were talking about is something that I kind of look for is the first one you said, not rushing to save them or like not rushing to like save the situation or fix it. Um, I know for me, that's, been a big game changer <clears throat> and that's kind of like that pause that you're talking about because I was like yeah I've, I've had to really um embody that and practice that of like no I don't have to fix everything I know I don't have to rush and like make it everything like better in this conversation or connection um and I think that's and, it, and you were saying how it can be really painful also to kind of see the person um you know, being themselves and be in that situation without you trying to fix it or me trying to fix it or us trying to fix it or whatever. Um, and that's, that's a big one. Um, and I think it does kind of, that's just, I know that can be difficult. Um, but that's also a really powerful one. And the other part was, um, I notice the one other thing that I have to notice about myself is, when I'm overextending myself, um, that's when I feel like I'm doing something that's not of, um, <clears throat> that's not, that's like kind of breaking my own boundaries. That's what it feels like. It feels like my, my, my body or my, my emotions or my energy is like overextending. Um, and then I also know that <clears throat> for me, that's kind of a, a sign to be aware of. Um, that something is, um, I'm, I'm taking from myself something that I shouldn't be taking from myself. 
So those are the things they have to watch out for, um, just to kind of be back in my place and not to cross boundaries. But other than that, I really appreciate it. Um, this is definitely thought provoking and I'm really enjoying everyone's shares. So thank you. <clears throat> I love that, Amber. I love that, that awareness of overextending yourself. I think that is so, so important. Um, I overextended myself quite recently. Um, not to make it all about me, but uh, I had to take an entire break from from Clubhouse, from from people in real life, just from people. Um, and that's not good. Um, that's not how I want to be. Uh, but it's learning from it. Um, like you said, just but you sound really aware of it. And I think that's great um, for you. Uh, and I, I think I'm getting better at it. I'm still a little reactive rather than proactive about it. Um, and it's going to be my tendency, I think. But I think with practice and sitting on my hands a bit more, um, that's going to be easier for me. And I don't want to kind of go from naught to 60 and then, you know, not be able to finish the last lap. I, I, I want to be present and there. Um, and I need to do the no thing. And uh, thank you for bringing that up, Amber. Um, overextending. That's a word that's going to stay with me, I think, all night tonight while I think on this room. And Kat, just to say, I like your process that you you get to, that you say, I will treat this day with, um, I can't remember exactly what you said, I'm sorry, but um, I will go into this day with gratitude and openness. And, and uh, I think that was the gist of what you said. I, I, say, I can't remember the exact ones. I'm very sorry. Um, but yeah, thank you both. I, I really, really got a lot out of both those shares. Uh, Christina? Yes, I was gonna, I mean, I was over here cheering, having an understanding of our own limits. I mean, when we take care of ourselves first, we no longer need other people to fill in those gaps. And I mean, this was exactly why I, I got into the kind of relationships that I got into. And, I, and when I say this, I'm not saying it in a negative way negativity toward myself you know I understand why I felt like this was the way to live I have been taught that um, I have been told it's your job to make your mother happy and when she's suicidal you did something wrong I mean those were the messages that were sent so I had this real idea that it was my job to take care of everybody and I was always hoping that somebody was else was responsible for taking care of me. And I remember the first room that we ever did around setting healthy boundaries, I shared that the first step to recovery is self-love. And I, I still believe this. And that's one of the filters in which I look at um, where, you know, which I look at whenever I'm trying to figure out my next action. What is the most loving thing to me to do next? And it's not, you know, it's not being selfish. It's not being self-serving in the negative manner. It's taking responsibility for myself, my nervous system, my needs so that I can show up and be most useful to my fellows. So I, I really appreciate that you brought that up. And anytime I'm working with somebody, I, you know, our first step 
I'm putting together an actual workbook for kind of first steps toward recovery for codependency. It'll be, you know, completely complimentary. It's just a nice place for people to, you know, download and look at. And the first step in that is always about what kind of spiritual contract, what personal care contract can I enter into immediately to start getting myself, to start taking care of myself, and to start um, relieving others of the responsibility to take care of my nervous system. And it seems, you know, I'm, I'm completely compassionate toward people that are like, but that's not my problem. <laughs> my problem is I can't get this other person to behave they, like I want them to, so I feel safe. And I, I so understand that because that was, that was me. You know, when I would reach out to somebody, a mentor, and I was struggling within that relationship that brought me to a, a support group for codependency, I needed him to quit getting other girls' phone numbers. And in order for me to feel safe. And the response would be, how do you take care of yourself in the next hour? And I would become incredibly frustrated. Um, so, you know, this takes a little bit of time to, um, to kind of uh, understand. We are literally breaking down belief systems that we had that were instilled in us before we were even able to be verbal. So always be kind to yourself um, and, and, you know, find a group of people or somebody who can walk you through this recovery that will do it in a loving way because um, that is this, the second most universal truth. I never get there faster by beating the hell out of myself. And, um, and that's important for me to remember because I may not know what the solution is, but I absolutely know that for me to become harsh with myself will slow me down. And uh, thank you. Um, thank you so much, Amber, for having it. And please, we still have about 15 more minutes. So anybody who wants to come up and share an insight, um, you are welcome to. Uh, this is how we recover, um, by being honest and sharing. All right, Charlotte, thanks for coming up. Sorry, it took me a second to get back to Clubhouse. Um, thanks for having me up here. Um, Christina, I heard a lot of myself in the story that you told. Um, I recently had to set a boundary with someone and I sought the um, counsel of a lot of people that I trusted, um, talking about it and sitting on my hands for a, a long time. Um, but it got to the point where like, it truly was affecting um my life to the fact that like i was having these like really intrusive dreams about this person and um i felt like this person wasn't um respecting some boundaries that i put up um and unfortunately like i guess my um requirement for my job is social media and this person kept um, reaching out publicly on my social media, but would never, like, a year ago, I would have considered this person, like, one of my best friends, and, um, I had something really tragic happen just over a year ago, and initially, they were there for me, and I understand grief is hard, and witnessing other people's grief is hard, um, 
but I, I tried to reach out several times um, and the response I always got was too busy, can't do it. And uh, there was never any reciprocation of like any type of friendship that wasn't like entirely and completely public and virtual. Um, and I had to just set that boundary and it, it, there's something really soothing to hear you say um, that it's not selfish and that um, it's kind of like the most loving thing for me to do next. Um, and like the idea of a personal care contract is like radical to me, um, but it's not controlling. I did this for myself. I set this boundary for myself because it was painful to see this person popping up all the time um, and be so far yet so close. And it was just, yeah, it was hard. Um, it, these things are, I don't think these is, things are intended to be easy, but um, having this awareness of overextending myself to someone who is just unable to reciprocate it. Like I just, I want friendships in my life that make me feel good, that I don't have to like stress about to the point where <laughs> I like, can't stop like having nightmares um so um like just attending to my own nervous system and you know needing that distance was a, a big deal for me because I struggled to set boundaries and it was a really hard one to set I like this person and I want to be friends with them but um not in this capacity um where I don't feel like it's authentic and it's it's hard um so I just, I appreciate this room. It's given me a lot of reminders to continue sitting and waiting and um, just do the next best thing for myself. And um, I think I'm done. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much, Charlotte. And I really understood the complexity of that. You know, when people, uh, do things because they want it to be perceived as you know they are caring and uh, and how tricky it is to really kind of is what I'm seeing real oh well they reach out this way um, and I, I I have to tell you part of my recovery uh, and when I really realized that I had a hundred pennies instead of four quarters you know in in relationships even though I was attending codependent recovery um, was when my son was diagnosed um, people cannot tolerate pain and chronic pain in somebody very well and I it's no fault I mean no I'm not sure I don't know if I believe that I was gonna say it's no fault of their own because I don't know if I truly believe that I believe some people could work on it but it is the reality um, and those aren't my people. They weren't meant to go on this road with me. And that was very, very painful when that happened because, you know, my son's father and I were both in recovery and we had this idea that people would, would be able to stay with the grief and they couldn't. And it broke my heart on many occasions. But now, you know, 15 years down this road uh, with my son and, and things not being as I had hoped 
for him and his health, I now see, yeah, I have a lot less friends per se, but the friendships I have with each one of them is deep. And I know without a doubt that they're going to show up. Um, but it took work, right? And, and so as we grow in our recovery from codependency, there will be people that we lose. And, you know, some other truths that I know for sure is the angrier somebody gets uh, when I set a boundary that's taking care of me, the less <laughs> they are supposed to be in my life. And when I work with people, you know, this is a true fear and, and it's not dramatic. To, I mean, it sounds dramatic, but it's really the truth. When you were raised in a home where you had no choice but to say yes, that no was never a viable option for you or even tolerated. The first couple of times we say no, we will have a visceral response. You know, I'll speak in my ter- in I terms. The first time I said no, the anxiety was huge. And I really did feel like it was life or death. Like, because that's what I had been taught to say no to somebody is to put yourself in physical danger. And um, for people who don't get boundaries or don't struggle with boundaries, I'm, you know, so pleased. I have met one person in my life um, that I kind of think may not have a problem with setting boundaries. <laughs> and I've met a lot of people. And so, um, you know, I want to share about something and I'd love if the, if the people up on the stage want to respond. There is a common thing that is said in a 12-step program that expectations are future resentments. And I hear a lot, well, you don't, you shouldn't have expectations. That's why you're angry. That's why you got disappointed. And I struggle with this as a recovering codependent. And I'm not saying that my way or my thought is the only way, but I think it would be a great, a great thing to ponder for the, the rest of the day, or, you know, perhaps even a really good topic for another room. I believe wholeheartedly because I've, I've been struggling with this and it was drilled into me at the beginning of my recovery. You can't have expectations. You can't have expectations. And I don't quite understand how anybody cannot have expectations within a relationship. You know, there are certain boundaries, you know, if you are married and monogamy is important to you, it is an expectation and to me a very okay expectation that your partner will not cheat um, or go off and do things with another person that are intended to stay within the relationship. I believe <clears throat> that unexpressed expectations are what causes resentment. You know, I think those are the ones that, um, that get us into trouble within a relationship. And, um, you know, we can go in and talk about resentment and how that word really, really is what really constitutes a resentment. But to me, unexpressed expectations are the danger. And I'd love to see how Kathy and Kat and Amber, if you want to speak to that. 
oh yeah definitely definitely we don't we don't have those conversations we have those conversations going into uh, uh relationships in like a contract in business or something where, where it's very clear what's expected on both sides we do not have them with uh, i guess we do a bit with romantic partners if you get married and stuff there's this you'd hope that, that that conversation will start about what's expected but we we don't with friends and that's maybe because it would feel very weird um but it's it's useful to i think it's a useful practice to have i know i think one of the best lessons we could teach young people in life early on is that with with friendships it's quality quality not quantity is is what makes you will make you happy um and that that will mean disappointment that will mean arguments that you know all the normal things that come with friendship but um if you if you have a standard that that you expect then share it you know let, let people know i don't like you being late uh or i i get irritated when you're late i don't like it when you do this do that do this that irritate you know just just put some of the things out there otherwise they do blow up and you have a huge argument at four in the morning after a nice night out or something and you're screaming at each other over like the, the bill in the restaurant or something and it's not about that so um i think that's a it's a, it's a good watchword uh, a good phrase rather to to keep on board but i think yeah it's the unsaid unsaid expectations um silent expectations um they're the ones that get us into trouble so yeah that's that's an interesting one after we could do a month on that one christina i think we um, will no <laughs> we will okay right we will uh, we'll talk about it okay thank you thank you uh cat oh sorry christina. i was just gonna say so good so good thank you cat Hey, uh, expectations. Ooh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I do that. Um, so for me, I was just thinking like expectation feels quick. And for me, quick is never good, like a snap response. Um, and then I'm also thinking about my expectations are based off of my lived reality, which, um, you know, Disney princesses and, um, you know, marketing and all that played a huge role, media. Um, so what I, I guess what I'm trying to portray is my expectations are just um, delusions, <laughs> really. Um, and I don't, I, when I slow down and don't have expectation, then I'm pleasantly surprised. At, well, I allow myself to be pleasantly surprised by the small things in life that, um, you know, it's it really is about the little things um, that make me really, really happy and come from unexpected experiences and places and new things. And um, not that I don't slip into expectation because, you know, that's how I'm wired. Um, you know, we want to produce things that are comfortable to keep us safe. And um, unfortunately, that's just a not how it works out most of the time um with risk comes great reward and i hate to be corny but yeah um that's kind of what i think about expectations thank you thank you so much 
I know we only have a couple minutes left, but I do want to give Amber or Charlotte the opportunity to weigh in if you'd like. Yeah, um, my <laughs> expectations is that my like perception of it is a little woo woo, but I kind of feel like expectations might be like when I feel into expectations, there's kind of like a little bit of like a negative vibe on some level of like, I expect you to do this or else or whatever. But then it's like, okay, but how do you project? Like, how do you have expectations in a positive way? And I see that more in like, faith and belief and like pushing out the positivity of what you like are calling in or whatever that is. And so I think that um, I play more with like assumptions. Like I, I really enjoy like creating more positive assumptions for things. Um, and then also of course, like connection and, and being on the same page with somebody, but expectations. Yeah. I think it might just the energy around it. I, I don't like that word. I like like, um, belief or faith or, um, other words that project more positive results for some reason. Um, I think expectations can be, yeah, like like we said, it can have a whole month on it because I think that there's something that is a little off about it because there is a lot of people have different opinions on it um, that just feels a little weird and I don't know why that is, you know? So yeah, it's interesting. I definitely think this is like a good topic for <laughs> multiple sessions. Awesome. Charlotte, did you want to weigh in real quick? Real quick, I promise. Um, I think for me, it's just being aware that I'm having expectation that's important. Um, and definitely like assessing whether that's like Kat said, like delusional or kind of like what kind of expectations I'm having. Um, a lot of my expectations are simply re reciprocity or and like not perfect reciprocity, but like some type of reciprocal relationship that is not just me asking and getting denied a lot because I, that's been a lot of my experience and I'm just not, I don't have time for that anymore. So that's it. Oh, that's that. I mean, both Amber and you brought in some really good points. And I think that um, I'm going to write some notes about it because I think that for next Wednesday, it would be amazing to talk about the words expectation and what that actually means and directness um, for people that um, join the room and are maybe not part of uh, this community yet please uh, click uh, recovered life the link above it's completely free we go deeper into many conversations around recovery and everyone who is choosing to live in recovery um, is welcome or loved ones obviously everyone is welcome where we can have a little further conversation thank you everybody I feel a hundred percent better even though I don't exactly know what I'm going to do next but the fact that I honored myself and told the truth to some safe people is has already brought down the anxiety and confusion and so I really thank you all so much for allowing me to share. Kathy, thank you for co-modding with me. And uh, with that, if we want to just unmic and say goodbye, tomorrow we'll be back at the same time, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, with the Unstuck Room. And um, that's a great room to talk about things that make us, you know, feel stuck in our recovery or, you know, uh, 
perhaps paralyzed or stalled out. So I hope you'll mark your calendars. And um, again, I appreciate everybody's time. Thank you. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.